3: apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts hey i'm jay shetty and i'm the host of on purpose this week i talked to tiffany haddish in a hilarious deep thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma grief sobriety love and dating
1: i got a big heart and i'm very forgiving but like don't abuse it it's been abused enough
3: listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts trust me you won't want to miss this one
4: on april 15 1989 in the nation's capital a father and son would be separated due to the father's leadership role in the largest drug conspiracy in the city's history before or since The son's mother would be overwhelmed by mental illness almost instantaneously. This would start a 34-year battle for reunification. The son would brave some of the toughest terrain imaginable, Washington DC, when it was America's crack and murder capital. The father would be thrust into the Federal Bureau of Prisons to serve a life without parole sentence. The two would battle direct and vicarious trauma, fear, loss, grief, isolation, and uncertainty during the father's incarceration. Their unbreakable bond would withstand the test of time, and the son's unrelenting commitment to his father and his community would eventually free the father from bondage. This is the story of the two men joining us today, Tony Lewis Jr. and Tony Lewis Sr. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right. Tony Lewis, Sr. and Jr., welcome to the show, you two. You guys have such an inspirational story. It is an honor to have you on the show today. How are you both doing?
5: Yeah, we're doing amazing. Thanks for having us.
4: Okay, so uh, for starters, on this show, we start all our stories at the beginning. So do us a favor and give us a bit about your background and really what led to this conversation today. Uh, Tony Sr., let's start with you.
5: Um, my name is Tony Lewis Senior. I'm a native Washingtonian, born on Hanover Place, Northwest Washington, D.C. Uh, th- well, our block was always, uh, uh, I would say, uh, filled with crime. You mm-hmm. know, whether you know it started with from from what I first saw was robbery, bank robberies. It was, a you know, it was the street had a crew that were, that's what they did, rob banks, hijack trucks. You know, this is when I was a, you know, young, young kid. Mm-hmm. Then it, you know, it moved from the robbery to drug dealing, starting with marijuana, then moving on to PCP, then cocaine. And that's where I came. Well, I came into the picture of being introduced to that with selling marijuana. Okay. And my introduction was, uh out of a sense of poverty, not just a sense, but it was, of hev- our street was heavily, uh, you know, uh, most, most families, on public, public assistance or welfare, what we used to call it. Most was single, single parent households, at least on my side of the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it was always a need for, uh, you know, to find a way to make it, you know, and it was like, the word job was uh, really, uh, like, fun. The job was, being in the streets and and, and hustling as we called it that's Mm -hmm. all we knew uh so this is what we saw and we looked up to the older guys who was out there doing it for years and slowly you get introduced to it and again but the drive was you wanted a better life you wanted to provide at least I wanted to provide for my mother help my mother help my siblings and you know a lot of nights we went to bed hungry um not we didn't have proper shoes and clothes so uh, that's the only way I knew and that's what I saw and uh, that's what that was my start at maybe the age of 13 or 14 uh, in the drug game as we called it and uh, you know it prove- progressively moved I moved higher in the drug game and to where I you know eventually got incarcerated and got a life without parole sentence. and by that time from marijuana it had moved to cocaine then from cocaine to crack cocaine and so that is uh my story uh and i i never envisioned growing up to be a drug dealer you know i had dreams and hopes like any other young you know young male in in uh in the inner city mm-hmm. but again as we know it was few opportunities and few people to tell you or show you the right way and say you know without me having a father a male figure. The, the only male figures I knew were the ones who was into the criminality and that's what I saw. And that's what I followed. And then again, that's what led me to 34 years of my life wasted away in, in prison. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. Tony junior. Um, so what
4: was it that led you to this conversation today?
6: Oh man. Um, you know, my, just listening to my father's uh, description of his, upbringing um his lifestyle choices and in many ways um you know i come into existence when he's 17 um oh. in 1980 uh, i was born um and uh, his success in, in in the life that he chose uh, afforded me a different lens um and it gave me exposures um and supports that he that he didn't have um all that was stripped away when he went to prison mm. in 1989 um but at the same time i had him i had even from prison Somebody uh, who never made his choices seem like they were the right ones. Um, he always encouraged me to take another turn. Uh, what was problematic was I'm growing up on an exact block, um, even in probably a more deadly time in the 90s when DC was the murder capital of the, of the United States, um, and having a lot of those same role models. Uh, but, but uh, you know, uh, my parents. Um, you know, prior to his incarceration was very big on focus on education. I stayed on, you know, that track. My mom uh, was very uh, adamant about that. But I, you know, unfortunately would, you know, pretty much lose her to, to, you know, her mental illness shortly after my dad's incarceration. But the rest of my family and my community supported me. uh, And then I found myself um, uh, engaging in in violence intervention uh, from a peer-to-peer standpoint when I was about 20 years old. And literally, that saved my life because I bumped it to my purpose um, and, and would become uh, a leading voice here in the District of Columbia, um, sort of standing in the intersection of poverty, mass incarceration and gun violence. And, um, you know, all while fighting to maintaining a strong relationship with my dad, uh, which we did. And um, through my service to others um, and helping thousands of other people, um, it increased my platform and I was able to advocate and lobby for my dad's freedom over a long period of time. Um, And eventually, uh, uh, March 20th of of this year, uh, we were reunited. Um, And so uh, my activism and advocacy has helped to reunite many families prior to. And I'm just so ecstatic that uh, we finally got our opportunity to be reunited.
4: I love that. Um, so let's talk a bit about the the free Tony Lewis movement. Explain that for our listeners that aren't familiar, and and talk about sure. what led it to it being so like widely recognized.
6: Yeah. So so the initial uh, sort of uh, uh, public launch of the free Tony Lewis campaign happened in uh, June of two thousand and eight on a BET program called American Gangster about mm-hmm. uh, uh, my dad's mentor Cornell Jones. Um, and I was able to, uh, wear a free Tony Lewis t-shirt. It is, uh, following that, uh, Wale uh, had a video with not for his own Nike boots and I also wore a free Tony Lewis shirt in that, uh, video. Um, and then in all of my activism in the city around, uh, reentry and gentrification, housing, insecurity, food insecurity, I would, um, you know, often talk about, uh, my dad and, and where free Tony Lewis merged and, uh, utilize social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, to share me and some of my dad's most personal moments um, and connected people uh, to uh, our story. And our story resonated because there's so many other Americans that's in a similar situation or have been. Uh, we live in a country where 10 million children has had an incarcerated parent at some point in their life. Um, And I I think uh, I was one of the first people to really talk about that and be so transparent about that and to describe somebody who the world saw as a drug dealer um, as a father, right? And talked about him from a different lens, talked about a lot of what people uh, applauded me for uh, came from what I saw him do in community, um, that we weren't different um, and that uh, also me and my dad uh, would collaborate so much um, from inside. We did like an inside out approach to help barter some, of the mistakes that he made and and, 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 uh, highlight how much he had helped other inmates and how much he had helped me to help others in the community. So I think that's how the Free Tony Lewis movement really gained so much notoriety and traction. And not to mention other things that I was doing just to help the broader community. Um, My my notoriety uh, had risen. My platform had risen. And so therefore, my cause and my fight for my dad's freedom, um, I think people rallied behind that because they saw how much in, in uh, influence I had on other people getting there for you.
4: Sure. Sure. Uh, T- Tony senior, what was it like getting that type of support while you were incarcerated? Um, talk us through how that, what, what that emotionally was like and and how that affected your, your spirits.
5: Yeah, man, it, uh, it's, it affected it in a great way. Um, I bet. it helped to keep me going, helped to keep me motivated. Um, it helped to better me, you know, uh, because my son, uh, he brings me such pride. Uh and just every day I would, you know, encounter people because where I was last incarcerated, uh most DC guys, it's like home base for most DC guys and Merlin, you know, DMV people, and they always coming and going. Mm-hmm. And I would always it wouldn't be, you know, a week that I wouldn't go without a few young guys coming up to me and just speaking highly of my son and just saying, uh, what he meant to them as far as programming, getting them employment, um, you know, helping them to, uh, you know, find housing resources, uh, uh, drug addiction treatment places. And I'm just like, wow, man, this stuff is, is just so amazing to me. You know what I'm saying? I know I had a good son, man, but just to hear from other people and, and experience it on a daily basis, uh, uh it was just uh so, so motivating and so strengthening for me, especially in my time of, you know, of need, which over a long period of time, uh it wears the prison wears you down in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh just just a great sense of pride always with with my son. And it did, again, it motivated me to where sometimes I was somewhat a- apprehensive or some somewhere taxed, sometimes tired with dealing with you know, the revolving door sometimes with a lot of young guys, you know, coming in and out, but it kept me, you know, just kept me uh, staying engaged with them and not getting frustrated with them a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and in that way, I was able to give back to my community and my city of Washington, DC. And that meant so much to me because I realized that my crimes, my crimes of selling drugs and selling crack in my city and my community took, it was very destructive I didn't realize it at the time because I was just a young kid. But I uh, over some time I have re- I real I have realized it a lot and I just want to give back in a positive way and that's what I've been spending uh, most of my incarceration doing and, and I'm really spending a lot of time in the free world doing it and I'm and I'm enjoying it, especially especially with partnering with my son sure. uh, out here. So yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. So so to um Tony Jr., talk to us a bit about what it was like getting help from, you know, Pusha T and and your attorney, uh Brittany Barnett, Brittany K. Barnett. Yes, Brittany um, K. and Barnett. then and then talk a bit about like hip hop's role in criminal justice reform. Uh, what what can hip hop artists do that uh might carry a message a bit further?
6: Yeah, I think um I mean it just they were having sent, right? And I and I think um, you know, Pusha and I developed a relationship um and started our advocacy around uh sentencing reforms like a two-point reduction. Um and then he introduced me to Brittany K. Barnett, who I, I coined as the modern day Harriet Tubman. Mm, um, that's right. and and you know, that's, she's she's that's right. the you know, she was the last piece of the puzzle to to, to bring uh um, my father home. And I think hip hop artists, many of them um in in many ways appropriate uh uh in in my mind, exploit the world that we really come from, and I think they owe it and they, they would say they represent the streets, so they owe it to the streets to speak up and push for of no reform, use mm. their platforms to no to, to bring attention to the injustices that are happening to people that come from the street. There's no uh uh they can there's nothing that they could do that's of greater importance than that in my opinion. Mm. um a lot of their uh imagery and uh what they project. Um, is is a reflection of the guys that have been penalized uh, by these draconian sentences, and uh, I look forward to seeing more of them emulate what Pusha T has done um, mm-hmm. in our situation. Um, you know, shout out to people like Jay Z and, and Meek Mill, also who are no u- utilizing their platforms um, to to raise awareness around uh, impacted people like us. And so, uh, you know, I but I think hip hop uh, more than anybody uh, uh, should be taking this as a a, a priority, and this is not really, in my mind for them, a political thing to do. It is really about helping your people. You know what I'm saying? It it ain't no political line on this. It's about reuniting families that come from where we come from. People have paid their debt to society, um, and, and, and people are just languishing away in prison for far too long.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, visit BetterHelp.com/bin today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash bin
0: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or O'Rourke, the next, an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.
3: Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.
4: We are here today with Tony Lewis Sr. and Tony Lewis Jr., the father and son duo initially separated by a lifetime prison sentence, but were reunited after a 34-year battle with the criminal justice system. Okay, Uh, Tony Jr., you mentioned like the draconian prison system, sentencing and system. Um, I wanted to ask you, because now that you've done all this work, what are some of the things that you believe are affecting black incarceration rates and lengths? Um, Is it gun violence? Is it the war on drugs? Is it, you know, in your estimation, what are some of the biggest hurdles that we have to overcome?
6: Yeah, bro. I think uh, you know, just thinking back to what my dad, in terms of him laying out his uh, maturation into the game, and I think poverty. We have to have an economic strategy mm-hmm. to help uh, black and brown families stabilize and, and and thrive in America. Poverty is the driver for the mm-hmm. criminal justice system, for gun violence. Uh, it is is it is akin to our health disparities. It's akin to our low test scores in school. So we have to address poverty. I think it was Aristotle who said that uh, uh, poverty was the parent of of crime and revolution. And Mm -hmm. so um, we really have to focus in on addressing poverty in this country. Uh, More than half of the people that are in prison come from impoverished communities, you know? So we have the data to support that. Um, So we need uh, economic strategies to help, Um, you know, our, our, our people come above the poverty line and for people to thrive. I think once we do that, public safety increases, um, uh, way you know the way of life, quality of life increases, and, and we've seen that, right? We know that to be true. Uh, we just got to have a wheel and I know that me and My dad, uh, our, our plan moving forward is to, um, you know, uh, advocate to that the Biden administration, which you know, our, our, our President Joe Biden as a senator was the architect of the system of mass incarceration on the federal level that we have today, yeah. and uh, he ran on righting those wrongs, and he's done nothing uh, up until this point. As we go nothing. into twenty twenty four. Well, we expect that uh, he reunite American families like ours. Uh, it's his duty. It's his responsibility. And if they think that it's politically um, risky to do that, um, we're here to say that it's even riskier not to do it. Mm. Uh, because, again, they ran on that. And, and they have, he has not delivered on that. He hasn't even attempted to deliver on it. Mm. Mm. And he has the power to do it. He does not need... Congress. Yeah, you do
5: don't need Congress. Has, no, yeah. By
6: executive order, power to pen. Right? He can commute sentences. Power to pen. Clemency. Uh, a robust clemency initiative is important. And on the economic piece, I think he also needs to establish the federal government as a second chance employer, Um, because that's essential as well. People like my dad, you know, come home and it's still places that they can't work and they can't live after paying their debt to society. I mean, it's ridiculous, and so that cripples the black community as well. Because if the adults can't, uh, ease, that's been just as involved, if they can't, you know, seamlessly or easily matriculate back into the workforce, then people can't come out of poverty and people are, uh, uh, you know, more likely to make, you know, the same choices that, uh, uh, that sent, took them away the first time, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, I think this is tough. something for America to, uh, to really grapple with. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think we can, I'm optimistic, but it has to be prioritized.
5: Yeah. Anything to add
4: there, Tony Sr.?
5: Yeah. Um, the economic, uh, point is, 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 is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my sons just spoke about the federal government and, and hiring ex-felons or whatever the case may be. The private sector needs to do more. Uh, I have to shout out my employer who took a chance on me, blue sky construction, uh, and development, uh, 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 Mr. Scotty Irving, that took a chance on me and 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 hired me um, to his company, and you know, even with my felony background and everything, you know, uh, we need more of the private sector to do this, man. We are, and you can talk to him right now; he'll tell you I'm one of his best employees. We mm-hmm. we want to work us or justice-involved people or ex uh, felons or whatever you want to call us. You know what I'm saying? We want to work. We hard workers. We can be trusted. You know, um, and I'm here to vouch for that. And uh, again, uh, it makes such a difference for me, for anybody to have employment and be able to provide for themselves and and their loved ones. Um, This is America. Uh, uh, This country has never been doing so greatly economically. You know, I know we got a little inflation and these type of things, but economically, you know, um, uh, uh, the jobs and opportunities are there. But the private sector, as well as the federal government. And not just, uh, you know, we're talking about ex-felons and things like that. but We're talking about a minority hiring and being included in this economic growth in America. Uh, we have been left out for so long, man. And the poverty is the fuel of crime, mm-hmm. whatever type of crime you want to say, because most people are out there trying to get it the best way they think or know how to provide. And um, you, you change that economic equation and crime will surely, uh, go down a a great deal in my opinion. So again, you know, yeah, we just, we just need, uh, we just need opportunities, man. You know what I'm saying? Give us a chance, you know? Yeah.
4: I, uh, I appreciate, um, both of you responding the way that you have, because on this show, um, these are all truths that we, you know, repeat and that we affirm because they're truths and they affect black life in this country. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there was, there was uh, something that you were, you were mentioning about like how uh, crime rates tend to follow the poverty line. Um, But even more closely is uh, nonviolent crimes, you know, like, like a drug offense, you know, or or Mm -hmm. someone selling drugs or using drugs, that sort of stuff. The war on drugs has been terrible for Devastate. black community, Devastate. for the black community. Absolutely. Devastate. And the economic implications create sort of a self refueling sort of system mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where, you know, it, it, it almost creates these, these conditions where it's, it's like a trap. It's funny enough that we're using that word um, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're trapping to get out of the trap that you're in. And if you get caught, then you're, you know, in the trap, and so it's it's kind of funny how that ended up coming together um, linguistically for the culture, but uh, I think it's accurate. And then you know, to your point, uh, Tony Senior, um, I think that there's a lot of men, period, of all races, who are ambitious. It's kind of I've I've learned it's it's part and parcel to the nature of most men to be providers, to be ambitious. And if you're born in an environment where there's a great deal of hopelessness and there's not a lot in the way of, uh, let, let's call it an economic ladder, um, and the people that you do see are doing their best, you know, hand-to-mouth drug selling most most of the time. Those are the successful folks, or other people that have had to create uh, a way to advance their economic standing because they're not. Mm-hmm cut out for working at the grocery store for minimum wage. They really want to get moved somewhere where there's no roaches in the house or they can keep the lights on or whatever their story is. Um, You know, they might take advantage of whatever is in their immediate environment. And again, when you, then you said this, uh, Tony Jr., when you approach the economic system, when you have an economic, a viable economic plan for black America, Now you're really starting to root out the crime. And this is part of what was said during the defund the police um, kind of moment that everyone had to come to terms with in this country where like, listen, all this police money is not affecting anything in terms of positive outcomes. It's certainly not reducing crime. It's only further criminalizing and further over-policing the black community. And the idea is to take some of these funds and create a viable economic system for poor people in this country who overwhelmingly... Um, are black um, or brown, and sometimes they're 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 white folks too. But you know, we have a criminal justice system in this country that treats you a lot better. And to borrow a, a bar from um, Brian Stevenson from the Equal Justice Initiative, we have a criminal justice system in this country that treats you a lot better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent. And so, um, I appreciate this moment of you both saying like I said, those truths, because this is something that we say quite a bit on this show. And every time mm-hmm. I get a chance to to remind people that this is the reality of our yeah. situation, I do it because a lot of there's a lot of black people that push back against, you know, people like Joe Biden wanting to, you know, quote unquote, release all the criminals onto the streets without mm-hmm. looking beyond that, because this hasn't affected their immediate family. Um, and right so back. they don't understand. And so I appreciate this story. Because you're absolutely right. 17 years old um, with a baby and trying to provide and, you know, you end up in this system and it's not because you're a bad person. It's not, you know, you're still a hard worker. It's just, it's a fantastic story. This concludes part one of our two-part conversation with Tony Lewis Sr. and Tony Lewis Jr., the father and son duo initially separated by a lifetime prison sentence, but were reunified after a 34-year battle with the criminal justice system. I'm your host, Ramses Ja.
2: Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
0: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker david remnick you can listen to talk easy on the
3: iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts hey i'm jay shetty and i'm the host of on purpose this week i talked to tiffany haddish in a hilarious deep thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma grief sobriety love and dating
1: i got a big heart